Calcutta, India, a city of 15 million people and 17 square miles, the people who live here used to have no hope. No hope for simple health care. No hope for education. No hope for disabled children. No hope for the hungry. No hope for the hurting. No hope for Calcutta. Jesus changes everything. In 1954, two missionaries came to Calcutta with one purpose, to reach Calcutta with Christ. Out of that desire, they started a feeding program that today feeds 25,000 people every day. Then those same kids that were hungry needed to be educated, and a school was started, which today has branched into numerous schools throughout India that have educated more than 20,000 students. And the mission was not just to educate the impoverished children, but also the disabled. Our blind school is home to more than 100 blind children and educates them through Braille, English, and vocational training later on. It wasn't long after the first school started that they realized that children and their families needed quality health care. Health care which they could not afford. So in 1977, Calcutta Mercy Hospital was built, which provides free medical care to 40,000 people a year at the hospital and their 18 rural clinics. But it couldn't just stop there. Communities began to change through adoptive village programs, where churches across America said yes we want to support a village and be responsible for changing destinies. Destinies in India that were predetermined through suspicion and religious beliefs began to change as little girls grew and had the option of being trained as nurses through Buntain Nursing School and were then hired at our hospital. And as people received the compassionate care of Christ through Calcutta Mercy Ministries, many were called into full-time ministry. They were trained at our Bible college where hundreds of ministers have been equipped and in turn planted over 950 churches throughout India. In 1954, two missionaries came to Calcutta with one purpose, to reach Calcutta with Christ. What will we do? Give the Lord a hand clap. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. So good to be at Emmanuel Assembly in Knoxville. Different location, great people. Different location, but great people. Amen. Uh, I love a church that's progressing. I love a church that's moving forward. I love a church that's growing. I love a church that's doing something. How many of you would agree? I, if I go to church somewhere, I want to go somewhere where they're doing something. I don't want to just sit and um, watch the flowers grow around me. I want to go after people. I want to go after a city. I want to, I want to partner with a pastor who loves people, a pastor's family who loves people. And i got to give you a high five, man, because you're doing a great job. How many of you believe that today? You're doing a great job. I call your pastor Mr. He and Tara, Mr. and Miss Hospitality. 
because I'm never treated any better than when I come to this church. Um, from the time you walk into the hotel room, um, the little things that he leaves, that they leave to say thank you for coming is extraordinary, is excellent. How many of you believe in excellence? Uh, and your pastor is an excellence-minded pastor. And that's why I get excited about Emmanuel Assembly in this, in this city. I really do. I used to live in Knoxville. I don't know how many of you know that, but I used to live in Knoxville. It was my first assignment as a, as a full-time youth pastor in 1990. I moved three states away from Oklahoma City to Knoxville, Tennessee, and became the youth pastor at what was then Evangel Temple. I'm not sure what they even call the church now, or if it's even still going. But uh, So I've lived in Knoxville. Uh, I know how the city shakes when UT scores a touchdown. <laughs> I felt it. In fact, all of our pews in Evangel Temple were orange. I do believe they liked UT when they built that building over there. Um, but it's always good to come back. It's always good to come back. I believe that this church is going to be blessed. I believe that this church is on a journey. Where you are today is not where you're going to be tomorrow. I believe each family here, I believe each individual person here, each child even that you're holding in your arms today is on a journey. A journey that the Lord wants to take you is from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's not necessarily in men's eyes going to look higher all the time than last year, but it's going to be from glory to glory to glory to glory. I believe this church is taking steps of faith at this point in time that it's going to set you up for success in the years coming. And I believe that every family, every individual person in this room who has the opportunity and the power to give and the power to sow yourself into something has an opportunity today a step of faith, if you will, that's going to set you up for success that will manifest itself tomorrow. The seeds that we sow today don't always reap a harvest in the day that we sow. Sometimes God gives you a quick harvest. But in my life, that's been rare. Honestly, it's seed, time, harvest. I sow a seed, time goes by, and then somewhere down the road, I reap a harvest off of that seed. Whether you're talking about finances, which I'm not afraid to talk to you about today, or whether you're talking about a good deed, I'm not afraid to talk to you about today. Whether you're talking about a handshake or a smile, usually if you give something away, you'll receive something. Right? She didn't know I was going to shake her hand. She just stuck her hand out. She gave me a handshake this morning, so I'm giving you one back. Give it up for the nicest greeter in the house today. She said, I received that. <laughs> you, didn't have an, you didn't have a choice, really, did you? <laughs> but that's how it works. In 1954, the Buntains had an opportunity that was placed before them by the Assemblies of God Church to go to Calcutta, India for one year. Every other missionary was turning down that opportunity. 
The missionaries that had gone to Calcutta were coming home. The missionaries that, they, that were still in Calcutta when they got there did not want to be there because they did not stay very long after that. It was an opportunity. It was an opportunity to go somewhere where nobody else wanted to go, where nobody else wanted to be, and to do what no one else wanted to do. And that's steps of faith. If you look in Genesis chapter 12 this morning, I want to read a short passage of scripture to you. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. I've preached this, I don't know how many times, Pastor. But I tell you, it applies. And your missions director today really preached this sermon with what he told you in the beginning. And you'll start to recognize the principles. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Everybody say, Leave. leave. Everybody say, Go. He said, I will make you into a great nation. Everybody say, Great. great. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Everybody say, Blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, or in the NLT says, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. That was an incredible moment right there. I don't care who you are. I don't care if your name's Abram or if your name's Terry Allen or James Biddle. Man, if God tells you that, you're looking at a, an incredible life in front of you. Do you know that when God told Abram that, he told it to all of the body of Christ? Because we've been adopted into the kingdom of God. We've been adopted into the family of God. So the blessings on Abram and later Abraham are ours to claim. How many of y'all believe that today? As a part of the family of God, we're blessed. God blesses those who bless us. God curses those who curse us. As the family of God. Doesn't mean we're perfect. That just means we're family. How many of you know your family's not perfect? I got a sister. I fought with her like cats and dogs. She's much more holier than I am. She was always right. I was always wrong. <laughs> so I claim that right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm being honest before you. But as bad as I was, I was still family. As good as she was, I was still family. As much as I couldn't relate to her, we were still family. I was blessed because I was a part of a family. And that's the way it is with the kingdom of God. He told Abram, he said, go where I tell you to go. The life of faith, number one, is, a, is, is listening to a God call. Write that down. The life of faith is listening to a God call. The life of faith for a church is listening to a God call. God will primarily speak to you in an individual way as you read the word, as you pray in daily devotions. But corporately, he's going to speak to you through a pastor and through the leadership of a church. He's not going to tell you something to do in this church that this pastor does not know about. God speaks through leadership, and you have a great pastor. But you're going to hear a call that's not always normal. Your pastor's going to call you to do things that are not always normal. Somebody's going to get called in the mission field out of this church, and you're going to go somewhere that is not normal. It's not normal to go to places like this right here where there's 200 million idols worshipped in India, 
where it's on every street corner, at the base of every tree, on the side of every building, on the da- on the cat uh, uh, the the dash of every cab, incense burning, marigolds hanging off mirrors. It's everywhere. That's not normal to go there from the United States or from Canada. Buntains are from Canada. But when God gives you a call on your life, you do things that are abnormal. The world does not, is not going to be able to make sense of it. They're going to think you are bona fide crazy. Am I right? When you start saying things like, well, I feel like God is telling me to do this. The world's going, okay. Yeah, whatever, bud. Well, you're hearing voices. I'm out the door. They don't understand that the Lord speaks in a still, small voice. I'm here to tell you that God's speaking to people in this room in individual seats today to do certain things with your life. Maybe God's calling you to get saved today. I'm here to tell you Jesus is here to save you. You can ask God to forgive you, and you can walk out of here a brand new man, a brand new woman. How many of you still believe that? For the others of you, he's looking for you to consecrate your life before him. Quit playing around. Quit messing around. Folks, we gotta, we've got to, your pastor is going to tell you here in a few minutes how many lost people are in the, on the planet. We've got millions of people who need to hear about Jesus. Some of us need to get down to business and start listening for the God call in our life. One thing about Abram, he understood that God was speaking to him. And God said, I want you to go where I tell you to go. The next thing is a God compass. Write it down. A life of faith is listening to a God call, but then watching a God compass. It's not all about you, Jasmine. When you give your life to Jesus, it's about what he wants you to do. It's not about you, Dad. It's not even about your kids and your family or whatever. It's not about our desires. When we give our life to Jesus, we give our life away, right? It's about where does he want me to go? It's what your missions director was talking about today. And it's not about where you're sitting today. It's not about the position you are in life today. It's not about, oh, this is who I am today. It's, not a, it's about where am I going tomorrow in the will of God as an individual, as a family, as a church. Where am I going? See, you gotta, you got to encourage yourself in the Lord today because if you look at your current situations in life, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. I'm going to be straight with you. Sometimes I feel like preaching, sometimes I feel like sleeping. Sometimes I feel like going to India again. Sometimes I don't want to ever go back to India again. You say, well, that doesn't sound like a good missionary. (laughs) Tough. That's just the way it is. Sometimes the will of God is not always easy. Sometimes you just want to kick back, put your feet up, and take a break for about two years. (laughs) Don't laugh. Go to India. He talk, he'll tell you about India. Calcutta, the streets are nasty. The streets are putrid. The streets are, are garbage under your feet. You smell like you're walking through a dumpster. It's like a dumpster dive of the world, if you ask me. There are good places in Calcutta. There are great places to be. 
There's great growth in Calcutta. There's huge skyscrapers going up. Some of the largest hotels you've ever seen are going up. But when you get into the bottom 70% of what represents the poor and the suffering of Calcutta and suffering of India, it's like dumpster diving every day. You're walking over rats the size of cats. You're looking at dogs coming in and out of open sewers. Uh, You're looking at children, uh, many of them who are sitting in their front yards naked and their grandmother and their mother and their father they're all sitting in the same yard picking trash rag pickers that's what they do for a living 70 percent of india lives on two dollars or less a day 40 percent one dollar or less a day that's their life that's their life that's their current situation i don't know where you are in your current situation you may be doing great you may be getting your life together you may be, you may have it all together right now. You feel like, man, I couldn't be, I'm higher than a Georgia pine today in the sense of where I am with God, my relationship with God, how strong I feel as a family. Hey, we're going to go plant a church. It ain't always the fun and you don't always feel furious every morning. Sometimes you might, some of y'all in here might be struggling for your life. You might be struggling for the next step. I'm here to tell you, none of that matters in the sense of listening to the God call and going where God wants you to go. God knows exactly where you are today. He knows what situation you sit in here today in. He knows everything about you, and yet he still calls you, and he still directs you. That's what's great about God, and that's what's great about faith. I can still participate in the kingdom of God. You know, when I was a young man in school, People like to make fun of a kid who's five foot two in high school. I got to tell you, I got Holy Ghost short man syndrome, so y'all better watch out. (laughs) When I was in high school, it wasn't Holy Ghost short man syndrome. So I would prove to people that I could do what they didn't think I could do. There's no discrimination in the kingdom of God. He calls everybody in this room to do something great. Every single soul in this room, he's calling you to do something great with your life. He said, I will make you into a great nation. We're not talking about mediocrity here at Emmanuel Assembly. We're not talking about average at Emmanuel Assembly. We're not talking about you being an average father, an average dad, an average husband, an average kid, an average student. We're not talking about average when we're talking about doing things for missions. We're talking about giving the very best that we have and becoming great. That's the life of faith. I didn't say we're called to become rich. You might be a rich man. You might be a poor man. You might be a middle American man, income-wise, but you're still called to do something great with your life. Your gift may be large, and God knows we need those of you who can give large gifts to Calcutta. We need you to write the checks. Your gift may be small. That may be an incredible sacrifice for you to write a small check into missions in the kingdom of God. We need you to write the check. Why? Because every single person is required by God and is set up by God, if you're living by faith, to do something great with your life. Some of you are going to give. Some of you are going to go. Some of you are going to pray. All three are important. 
I could have said them in a different order. Some of y'all going to pray. Some of you going to give. Some of you going to go. Some of you going to go. Some of you going to pray. Some of you going to give. It doesn't matter which of those three you're talking about in the area of importance. We're going to give you an opportunity to give. This message is about giving your life away. I didn't come here just to get your money. I'm here to call this church to greatness. I'm here to call this missions program of Emmanuel Assembly to another level today. I'm here to, this is an opportunity. Can I tell you, I did not take your pastor to India because of what he had in his hand. I took your pastor, what was it, two years ago now? Shoot, I can't even remember. I've been over there so many times. Maybe a year and a half. I took, I took James Biddle to India, not because of what was in his hand, but because what I could see in his heart. You talked about putting a 10 over people. The new initiative for Calcutta, I'm, I'm doing my best to find 10 pastors who will take 10 pastors with them and put 10 trips together in a given year and raise a million dollars for Calcutta Mercy. I'm trying to put a 10 over every pastor's head. Give them 10 months to raise $10,000, 10 trips, 10 pastors, 10 months, $1 million for Calcutta. You say, a million dollars? Why do you need a Let me tell you something. I'll tell you why we need a million dollars. We need a million dollars because we feed 10,000 people every single day on the streets. Six days a week, 10,000 people are fed, 60,000 meals. If you as a church want to duplicate the feeding of the 5,000, you can do that today for $1,250. We feed kids and people for 25 cents a meal. But when you feed them at a pace of 60,000 people a week, it takes a lot of money. We not only feed 10,000 a day, six days a week, but we have thousands upon thousands of students in our schools. I could tell you all the miracles, and I've been here before, but all of our schools are literally a miracle from God and a testimony to the power of God of what he can do and not what a culture says that they can do. The culture in India said you can't educate kids. You can't educate children of two different castes, high caste, low caste, in the same room. That's what the culture said back in the 50s. The Holy Spirit said something different. The call of God said something different. The direction or the compass of God pointed into a different direction. And our founders, the Buntains, said we will educate children. Back then, you didn't have Compassion International, World Vision, uh, Latin America Child Care, all those different things. Convoy of Hope didn't exist. No kids running around with uniforms on your screen every night uh, where you could sponsor kids for 35, 40 bucks a month. You know, we see them every night on our, on our television. None of that existed in the 50s. But God gave an original idea to a missionary and said, we're going to put them all in a uniform, same shirt, same shorts, same socks, same shoes. We're not going to tell them where they come from. They could be kids like that living on train tracks, which I found one day. Or they could be kids of the highest caste in all of Calcutta. We're going to educate them. We're going to give them a chance to accept Jesus Christ. We're going to, give them a, we're going to disciple them. We're going to have a Bible study. Or we're going to have devotions every single morning that they go to school in our schools. And we're going to give this culture a chance to accept Jesus. But we're going to give these kids who have no education a chance to learn to read and write and have a chance at their life economically. 
And that's what they did. They started with a few hundred kids, and now we have 105 schools, 32,000 kids last year went to school for the glory of an almighty God. That's, a million, that's why we need 10 pastors. And I'm only, I'm only saying this to you to get you to help pray for me and pray with me. 10 trips, 10 pastors, 10 pastors with them, $1 million. I'm believing God for in the next few days for Calcutta Mercy. Why? Because we need to feed kids. We need to feed hungry bellies. Beggar jumped up in a crowd one day. Mark Buntain was preaching. He said, if you'll feed our bellies, we'll listen to you about your God. We believed that. That was a defining moment for the ministry, and that's why we feed. You got kids who are starving in the dumps in a place called Dapa. They're everywhere over there. They're in the cracks of the sidewalks. They're in between buildings. Some are starving. Some are doing good. But, I mean, you, you know, sometimes you don't know the difference because it's so poor. They all look the same. But God gives a call. God gives a compass. God shows you where to go. God enables you. The life of faith is a God call. It's a God compass, but it's a God covenant. Everybody say covenant. covenant. Write that down. Because God doesn't just call you. He doesn't just show you where to go. He also enters into a covenant with you, and he says, I got your back. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. If they mess with you, they're messing with me. How many of you got sons and daughters? Raise your hand. As dads and moms, do you not feel that way right there? You mess with my kid, you are messing with me. You think you've seen short man syndrome? I will bust up all over you. Right? You mess with our kids. That's another level. It's one thing to, it's one thing to mess with me, but it's another thing. To, you know what I'm saying? My kids, now my kid looks like Thor. <laughs> My kid got all the hair up top. I got all the hair right here. You probably saw a picture or two of him and his wife up there a while ago. I don't know. I'm proud of my son. He's a music director. He's in the music business in Nashville. Now he can, he can take care of himself. But I guarantee you still to this day, if somebody messed with my 26-year-old son, I would be like a banny rooster. Why? Because I'm in covenant with that boy. That's flesh of my flesh. That's, that's me. When he walks the street, I'm walking the street. When he does something, that's partly me and his mama doing something, good or bad, right or wrong. He's got my DNA. And that's the way God is with his family. When you go somewhere and you do it in the call of an almighty God, you're carrying the DNA of God with you to that foreign country, to that city, to that street corner, to that poor person at the rescue mission, to wherever to start a new church. You are carrying the DNA of God in your veins and you have every expectation of the almighty God that you serve to back you up and to bless those that bless you and to curse those that curse you and to pave the way for your success. That is the life of faith. That is the life of the kingdom. That's why I say this church can do something incredible today for missions. We are not confined to who we are at the moment. We're only confined... By the faith that's in our heart that goes toward our hands and by the action steps that we take in direction from an almighty God. See, everybody has a chance 
to put their hands over their ears today. God doesn't make robots. God didn't create robots. He created men and women with free will nature. You don't want to go there with your money? Don't go there. You don't have to. But if God calls you to, you're not going to experience God's best. Many of you may never step on those trash-ridden banks, but your money can, your seed can. The, The seed of faith that you give, I'll guarantee you, it's been there already. Your pastor's been there, but your money's been there a long time ago because y'all been giving to Calcutta for now three or four years. Y'all were giving to Calcutta before I took your pastor to Calcutta. And that's answering the call of God, going toward the compass and entering into a covenant with him. But everybody has the power. I'm going to hear no evil today. (laughs) Everybody has the power to put their hands over their eyes, I'm going to see, you know, I'm not going to see it. No. Everything's good. I'm all good. I'm all good, Pastor. Sorry I couldn't give an offering day. I'm all good, brother. It's all good. I know what you're, I know what you're saying. I hear you barely through my hands and my knuckles. <laughs> I hear you. I know what you said. I, I can read your lips, Pastor. Everybody can do that, right? And not let the gospel affect you. Not let missions, the call, affect you. Not let what you see affect you. Tense up. Toughen up. Callous up. The church is too calloused. The church of Jesus Christ is too bowed up sometimes. Not another missionary. Not another another world call. Not my children. God, you can't have my children. You can't call my baby to the mission field. I know I went through the ceremony when they were a child, and I brought them up to the front, and I know pastor prayed over them, and we did all that symbolic thing, and I know they've been baptized, and I know all that, but but God, you cannot have my son. We don't always say that with our mouth, but we say it with our spirit. God, I, I I believe in those little kids over in India. I believe in all them little kids on the street and getting food and uh, the cleft palate kids. I believe in all them that need surgery, and I believe all that, but, you know, uh, not my money. I, I hope our church is able to do some good things, but I just can't do it. I'm, I'm asking you to hear a God call today. Watch a God compass, and then enter into a God covenant. And just do what he tells you to do. I put, remember those train track kids that stuck up there a while ago? The little, they look like the, the, the Lord's Supper. They were all sitting on the ground there in a, in a line. I got to watch my time because I can tell stories all day. Um, I put a picture, that one little kid that had rat, he, his, her hair was just ratty all over the place. You remember that little girl up there a while ago? She's the most rat-haired kid I've ever seen in Calcutta. I put her picture, that picture on a Facebook wall one day, and I simply put this underneath. I said, today I think I met the least of these. There was a pastor in Memphis, Tennessee, that saw that picture. 
his church was going into a financial slump. They were in a financial slump. In fact, they were in a financial crisis. He did not know what he was going to do. He was scared to death. He thought he was going to have to lay off pastors. He thought he was going to have to do a lot of severe things to keep the church rolling. The Lord spoke to him. Everybody say, God call. The Lord spoke to him and said, are you willing to give your way out of this problem? He immediately, he said, Terry, it's only happened to me twice like that where I almost feel like I, I heard the audible voice of God. He immediately said, yes, Lord, I will. He said, well, then this is what I want you to do. Now, he recounted this story to me two weeks after I got back home from India. I posted the picture when I was just off of the streets of India one day, Calcutta. He said, Terry, the next day I scheduled a board meeting. Monday night I went to my board and I told him what I felt like the Lord has told me and talked to me to do. Told him about the piece, told him about the picture that you posted on the wall. They knew this current situation of our church that we were struggling and straining to make it. He said, but I felt like God told me to do something. And I'm only going to tell you this story. I'm not planting this in your head as a church to do. You know me better than that, right? He knows I'm a man of integrity, and I'm not doing that today. I'm only telling you that God can give you a call and cause some things to happen. God told him, said, I want you to give 10% of everything that comes into your church for one year. I want you to give it to Calcutta Mercy. And watch me take you out of this problem. So for the next 12 months, from a church the size 300, I would say, who was straining financially to make it from week to week, we ended up getting two checks because the board approved it that night. The board said, hey, pastor, what do we have to lose? We're going to go under if we don't. What do we have to lose? Let's just believe God. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to burn the ships and move on and do something for God. And you know what I'm talking about? Wave at me if you all understand what I'm saying. I'm not just up here doing spiritual jargon today. I can't stand that. I'm not giving Christianese talk. <laughs> they said, what do we have to lose? So we, they went for it. For, two, for one year, Brother Calvin, 10% of every offering came in the mail to Calcutta Mercy and I'll go ahead and tell you, the church, it was a lighthouse church in Millington, Tennessee. pastor's name is Tim Van Dozer. If you want to back it up, you can call him today. We would get two checks a week, one from the Wednesday night offering and one from the Sunday morning offering. Time goes by. God sustained them all year long. In the summer, had two air conditioner units go out in the building. They were dying. Kids had to change the location where they had youth to go to another part of the building because there was sweltering heat in Memphis, Tennessee in the summertime. He said, Terry, lo and behold, he said, we've had this building on the back of our property, this little shed. He used the word shed. He said, I've hated that building since I became the pastor of this church. You know, sometimes pastors don't love everything about a church. He said, I've hated that building. I wanted to get rid of that building, but I didn't know how to get rid of that building. He said he just had old supplies in it, old art stuff, old what, just a bunch of, it's just a catch-all building. Just looked like an eyesore back there. He said, but I didn't have a good reason to get rid of it, so we never got rid of it. Lo and behold, something happened, and the thing caught fire right in the middle of the summertime and burnt to the ground. He said, we didn't know what to do. We called the insurance company because we really didn't want the building. We didn't want to rebuild it. And guess what happened? The insurance paid off on the old building out there that they really didn't want. 
No, they didn't set fire to it. I'm, I'm way ahead of y'all, okay? Nobody went out there and helped God out by setting a match in a, a gasoline rag. But the payoff on that building helped buy two new air conditioners for the church, and the youth got to go back into their building, and God sustained the church in the summer. Okay? That's miracle number one. They get all the way to December. December, he flashes the first video you saw a while ago, the overview video up, and he says, first week of December, he says, I want you to know that when you tithe in this church, 10% of everything you give in this church this year has gone to this ministry. He said it was just a reminder. After church, they had an altar call, altar service. There was a couple that stayed around in the altar later than everybody else. They let everybody move on. And they came up to pastor. This is the first week of December after giving 10% for a solid year. This couple said, Pastor, uh, you don't know us very well. We've only been coming here a couple months. He said, but uh, we have a business. And when you showed that video, the Lord put us under conviction. He said, we've been paying our tithe as individuals, as a family. He said, but they said, we haven't been paying our tithe on our business. And we want to make that up. He said, okay. I mean, they were telling him all new information. He said, we're going to bring you a check next week. We're going to bring you a check in another week. And then on January the 2nd, we're going to bring your third check. The first check was $25,000. The second check was $25,000. And the third check was $25,000. God gave that church back in three weeks everything that they had sold into Calcutta Mercy for one year. Not only sustained them for a year, caused their church to grow, caused their church to get on solid ground financially, but then blessed them and put the money right back in their pocket. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I don't know if I should clap for that or not. I don't know if I should clap for that or not because I know what's coming next. I'm not telling you to give 10%. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you Calcutta Mercy is great seed. I mean, it's great soil for you to sow seed into. Your pastor's been there. Missions around the world is counting on the body of Christ to hear the call, to watch the compass, and to enter into the covenant. You've never given one dime out of this church to missions that God has not returned it to you. Moms, dads, families, you listen to me. Don't ever say it. Don't you ever let it come out of your mouth. Because if you say it, you're coming into direct contradiction to the word of God. And God is not a liar. God said, if you give, I'll give it back to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. Shall men pour into your bosom? You've never given one dime to missions, sir. You've never given one dime to missions, ma'am, that God has not given it back to you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. You can't give to God and not get back. You say, well, it ain't about getting back. I know it ain't about getting back, but that's just the way God is. We don't give to receive. We give to bless. But then God says, I'm going to bless you for blessing others. I will bless those that bless you. I'll cause people to bless you out of nowhere. I'll cause things to happen in your life that you did not plan just so that you can be successful and so that you can move to another area of faith in your life and that you can reach another subgroup of people because he cares about Calcutta. He cares about this city. He cares about the world. He cares about the lost souls. 
I say it again today. This is a day of crossroads for Emmanuel. I believe this is a divine intersection for you. These children that you see, throw it up. I got one more video and then I'm giving it to Pastor. Show me some of those hospitals. We have a hospital, six-story, 174-bed hospital. We treat 100,000 patients a year. Many of them are cleft palate kids, cleft lip kids, kids who have no hope, no chance without somebody sowing seed into them. Your pastor has a heart for that. Your pastor's going to cast vision for that. And I'm here to tell you that maybe God is speaking to people in this room, families in this room, children in this room. I could tell you just as much of a miracle story about a child as I did about a church today. Kid gave 11 something dollars out of his piggy bank one time, presented at a house. Little pastor's kid leaves the room, goes downstairs in the basement, busts his piggy bank open, comes up with like $11.34 in a glad bag and said, I want this to go for the children in Calcutta. Church was in disarray. If I've ever seen a church that couldn't raise thousands upon thousands of dollars for missions, it was that one. But the pastor had a vision to give 10000 for missions. I presented in the church that morning. 30 days later, he calls me up and said, Terry, you ain't going to believe this. I said, somebody wrote a $10,000 check this week for Calcutta. I believe, you know what I believe it was? I believe it was off that seed that that little kid sowed out of his piggy bank that night that I presented it. Because there was a young couple that came in, sat on, a, sat on a sofa to pick up their kid out of that same little youth group meeting of six people. Little did they know they were going to have a relative that was going to pass away in the next 30 days and leave them $100,000. And they wanted to tithe off of that, not only to the church, but also to Calcutta. <laughs> Don't ask me how it's going to happen for you. I'm just telling you it's going to happen. But we need it. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father. All we need in this room, Lord, is for you to speak to us, show us what to do and where to go, and then we believe we're going to enter into a covenant with you. I pray blessing on this church. pray blessing on everyone who enters into a life of faith. You know we need it. You know it's important. So I'm praying that you cause things to happen in the name of Jesus Christ today. Amen. Play that video for me, Jerry.
Let's encourage Terry again. Wasn't that great for him sharing this morning? The reason that baby was abandoned is because in many parts of the world, if you have a deformity, uh, you are cursed by the gods. And uh, they have a caste system that is uh, basically you, you can't even get a job. You can't even go to school. Uh, the reason Calcutta has schools is because these kids can't even go to school. They're not even allowed to because they're too poor. So literally, there's no way out. I've been to Calcutta. I've held the babies uh, that you saw in the in the picture. And uh, it's not just an emotional thing, but I feel like God has really spoke to me uh, for our family, and I want to lead in our church as well. It's $500. Um, <laughs> to, to fix the kid? So, and it includes speech therapy. It's, it's just amazing. And as that kid grows up, they learn that Jesus loves you. Somebody in America that believes in Jesus sponsored so you could do this for free. This morning, when I walked in the door, I gave Bob a check. I've been so excited for today. Because <laughs> Terry always challenges me, and I hate it. I wish he'd stop challenging me in such a way. I don't really hate it. But anytime I feel like my faith is getting complacent, he challenges me to, to step out. I walked in today, and I'm not telling you this from a, a braggadocious standpoint at all. I'm just telling I'm leading by example. I believe our church can do 10 cleft palate surgeries this year. 10. We can do 10. Because I've already done two. I gave Bob a check today. Said that we're going to take care of two surgeries. And that's a faith step. That's a massive, massive faith step. So as a church, we can do eight. Because me and Terry, we're doing two. We've already talked to our kids. Said, hey, kids, may not get the best vacation this year. May not get some of the new toys. Because we're going to take a step of faith. And we're going to change the world one baby at a time. That baby may grow up and be a preacher of the gospel and lead millions of people to the Lord. I thank God for all we've done. I want to show you a celebration of what we've done real quick. Jerry, go to the screen just showing of, of what we've given for missions. I don't want to take long here, but down, if you can, down in the line, just scroll down here. Let me just show you this. This is why we are investing in missions. Today we're going to invest in Calcutta. Our project as a church is going to be cleft palate surgeries. We're going to own that. Leave that right there. Since 2012, since I became the pastor, we've given much, much more than that over the years under Pastor Kevin's leadership, under Mike Hinkle's leadership. But the records I have since 2012, you guys, this church, look around. We're not a, we're not a giant church. But we've given, go back to that, Jared, if you can. We've given over $72,406.99 to World Missions. Come on, can we give God thanks? We take this very serious. So where does it go? Where does the money go? Look at the next screen. What do we do? 67 million Assemblies of God believers in the world. Assemblies of God started with 300 people in 1914. Now there are 66. Go back, Jared, if you can. I'm not ready to advance. That thing's moving on quick. Go back, kid, if you can. We have 365,157 Assemblies of God churches. We have 388,472 Assemblies of God ministers. This is just Assemblies of God. This is not all over the world. 
We have 2,100 Bible schools. Last month alone, there are over 100,000 students in that. We have 2,756 missionaries. We have, uh, just in the last decade, there's 26,973,970 salvations just in the last decade. So we give God thanks. Come on, can we give God thanks for all that we're doing? For everything we're doing. But, but, there's more. Go to the next screen. And if you can make it stop jumping around, that would be wonderful. Go to the next screen. So we've done all that. Yay, Pastor, we've given $72,000. But there's 4,900,000 people in our world that do not know the Jesus that we know. So yay, look what we've done. we got 67 million in the Assemblies of God. We've given $72,000. Praise God. We've supported 26 missionaries. Yay, praise God. But there's more. For those of you visiting today, Neelam Stadium's just down the road. Seats 100,000. You could fill Neelam Neelam Stadium 49,000 times. That's over 7,000 football seasons. Seven home games a year. 100,000 apiece. It would take 7,000 football seasons to fill it with all the lost and hurting, hurting and perishing. In my part, I can't save everybody. I can't fix everybody. But I can reach one. I can reach some. I want to ask our ushers right now to pass out our faith promise cards. We're going to give you a